from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast Practitioner Brief. Happy Thursday, June 29th, 2023, our last show for the month of June. And just like you know it, we're on the other half of 2023. Crazy. Did I say 2022 a second ago? I might have said 2022. I'm sorry. I may want to go back a year because this year has just been crazy. It's it's literally half the year. Only five more months left before we wrap up 2023. This year has flown by. We've got a packed show this morning. We're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and Rumble. Good morning, everyone tuning in on all of those amazing platforms. Thank you all for being here. We see your comments, and thank you for all uh, being here. I'm actually looking to see where the map lights up. So we've got about five countries tuning in this morning. So wonderful. Thank you all for being here. So back show, we're going to get into our program this morning with so much to talk about, including move it, including Russia kind of changing, changing tactics or unchanging tactics, hospital healthcare, a bunch of vulnerabilities and all of that. And more immediately after I sip my delicious Italian espresso. Arrivederci. Do you guys like my Italian? A little bit, just some humor on a, thursday morning here as we wrap up by the way tomorrow i've got an awesome awesome episode with the legendary jason dion if you've ever studied for any certification you may have taken one of jason dion's classes he's an absolute legend we're going to be talking about breaking into cyber certifications why do you need to do it what's the upside what's the downside a really frank honest conversation that'll air tomorrow at 1 p.m eastern so tune in to that now let's get into this morning's show with Microsoft Sysmon now detecting executable files when they're created. Microsoft has released Sysmon 15, which converting it into a protected process, adding the new file executable detected option to log when executable files are created. Now this definitely helps when ransomware and malware operators start to put um, start to launch files at executable at the memory side. So. This is a good, good uh, move by um, Microsoft here. For those not familiar with Sysmon or System Monitor, it's a free Microsoft Sys internals tool that can monitor and block malicious, suspicious activities and logs events to the Windows event log. By default, Sysmon's basic uh, monitors basic events like new process creation and termination of processes, but it can create advanced configuration files that let you monitor various behavior like file deletions. Windows clipboard changes and detecting and blocking the shredding of files. So if you are using Microsoft Sentinel, you can actually feed through Windows event log. These changes, these specific, you could create this policy that says if there is a file deletion, a Windows clipboard changes, detecting uh, any blocking or shredding of shredding of files, you can automatically launch a, a alert to Microsoft Sentinel that will go to your SOC team that can automatically address it. So uh, two new features have been launched with Sysmon 15, the hardening of the program by turning it into a protected process, which means they can't disable it anymore because that was one of the things that uh, criminals would do. And it also has the ability to detect when executable files are created on the monitored Sysmon, which is another to create child processes and other processes as well. So being that it's a protected process now, that's a huge, huge advantage, as well as detecting new executables. You can feed it into uh, Microsoft event logs, you can feed a specific uh, 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 a period of some of those logs into your Microsoft Sentinel if you're using that as your SIM, and there's more. So you can read all about that in our show notes. All the links are there as well. 
A critical security flaw in social login plugin for WordPress is exposing user details. Apparently, this CVE 2023-29082, a CVSS score of 9.8. It's an authentication bypass flaw that impacts all versions of the plugin. This is the social login and register plugin by Mini Orange. This including uh, in th- this specific vulnerability is on every version 7.6.4 and prior. It was addressed on June 14th with the release of version 7.6.5 following responsible disclosure on June 2nd. The vulnerability makes it possible for an unauthenticated attacker to gain access to any account on the site, including accounts used to administer the site, if the attacker knows or can find the associated email address, according to WordFence researchers. The issue is rooted in the fact that the encryption key used to secure the information during login using social media accounts is hard-coded thus leading to a scenario where attackers could create a valid request with properly encrypted email addresses used to identify the user. So there's that for all of y'all this morning. The advisory follows the discovery of a high severity flaw affecting the LearnDash LMS plugin, a WordPress plugin with over 100,000 active installs that could permit any user with an existing account to reset arbitrary user passwords, including those with admin access. That bugged CVE 2023-3105 has a CVSS score of 8.8 as well. So if you are on the WordPress platform, you want to make sure to get that addressed. Well, more names joined the Move It victim list. This one, PwC, EY, and Genworth Financial join over 100 organizations. In total, about 130 have joined the victim list here from the Move It breach, potentially exposing millions of customers' data files to theft, depending on what was in there. And again, more of that information is still waiting to be disclosed by Move It. Now, 100 organizations have repeated it. Genworth Financial said that attackers stole the private data of between 2.5 million to 2.7 million life insurance policyholders as a result of the attack. We'd love to see more information there. PBI Research Services, a third-party vendor that works with Genworth, uses MoveIt and notified the insurance provider about the compromise, so supply chain there. Apparently, they may have stored all of those files there and never moved them out uh, once they finished the uh, transfer. Genworth uses PBI for its life insurance business to search databases to, to identify the death of insured policyholder, meeting regulatory obligations. Oh, ouch. Meanwhile, the Klopp ransomware gang has posted more names to its victim list, including PwC, the uh, consulting giant, and Ernest and Young EY. Um, PwC said it uses the software and limited number of client engagements, and um, they're saying that PwC itself wasn't compromised. EY also said officials began investigating immediately after the zero-day vulnerability were disclosed in, disclosed in late May. The vast majority of the systems were not compromised as a result of that, so more there as well. Linux version of Akira Ransomware is now targeting the VMware ESXi servers. The Akira Ransomware operation, which uses a Linux encryptor to encrypt VMware ESXi virtual machines in a double extortion attack against companies worldwide akira emerged in march of this year targeting windows system in various industries including education finance real estate manufacturing and consulting now they've moved to linux specifically looking for vmware esxi virtual machines because of some of the vulnerabilities that exist there and the lack and the slow patching process like other enterprise targeting ransomware gangs the threat actors steal data from breach networks encrypts it and does the and conducts double extortion on victims demanding payment that reached several millions of dollars Akira's now Linux version was discovered by malware analyst Ravitna, who shared a sample of the new encryptor and virus total. Flipping Computer's analysis of the Linux encryptor shows that it has a project name of ESXi build ESXi 6, indicating the threat actor designed it to specifically target VMware ESXi servers, meaning they found a way to get into them 
and there's some vulnerability there that will soon be required to patch. Over the past few years, ransomware gangs have increasingly created custom Linux encryptor to encrypt the VMware ESXi servers as enterprise move to use VMs for servers for improved device management and efficient use of resources. So the more cloud we go, the more advanced they get and they have access to it. So there's that and that's coming. The CISA and NSA have all published a guidance on how organizations can secure their CICD pipelines against malicious attacks. The documents includes recommendations and best practices for hardening CICD cloud deployments and improving the defenses of development, security, and operations DevSecOps. A development process for creating and testing code changes CICD is seen as keen for DevSecOps. Security threats to their CICD environments, according to CISA and NSA, include insecure first-party and third-party code, poison pipeline execution, insufficient pipeline access controls, insecure system configs, the use of insecure third-party services, and secret exposures. We've seen this become the case. This is obviously following SolarWinds, which we've talked about this week quite extensively due to the pending potential uh, civil uh, liabilities on the CISO and CFO. Hardening environments, organizations are advised to use strong cryptographic algorithms on cloud applications and services, use strong credentials, add signatures to the CICD configurations, use two-person rule for all code updates, implement least privileged policies, implement network segmentations, audit and secure secrets, and user credentials. By the way, in most cases, you can do all of this within the CICD pipeline, within the developer IDE, just using and deploying the right tools. Furthermore, they also recommend updating OS's software and CICD tools, removing unnecessary applications, using malware detection tools, integrating security scanning, you know, uh, DAST uh, is, is one and SAST, so, so um, as well, restricting the use of untrusted code, analyzing committed code, removing temporary resources, and implementing SBOMs, the software bill of materials and software composition analysis, all to that, all great advice and a long, tall list of work. Russia spies, war ministers are getting more and more reliant on cybercrime as the war or conflict in ukraine kind of stalls this is coming after swiss intelligence is warning that russia is going to be start is ramping up cyber attacks on infrastructure and cyber espionage as ground options evaporate um russia's diminishing position on the world stage according to this let's focus on what they're really doing here um so um worrying that the report assesses that cyber attacks on nato member state infrastructures could ultimately trigger NATO's Article 5 commitment to join a war against any nation, which is why I don't think Russia would actually do that. If Russia's going to go after anyone, they're not, they're not, they're not going to want to trigger Article 5, or you know, they may play with that boundary a little bit here and there, but they're not really going to go into a full-fledged um, kind of war there. What we will see is direct cyber attacks against infrastructure within the Ukraine and uh, potential supply chain attacks as well. It seems like attacks against critical infrastructures have widespread impact, obviously, dangerously uh, throughout the Russian war against Ukraine. Many ransomware attacks against infrastructures are being carried out by non-state actor threat groups, making their actions often unpredictable, erratic behavior by a threat group not directly affiliated with the Russian states that could cause a miscalculation um, and bring out hostilities, according to the FIS. Um, Russia is uh, using cyber espionage to supplement some of the real spies and the human factor of it the poisoning starts with the expulsion of russian diplomats and intelligence officers from throughout the world and now they're using cyber as a more uh as as, as another form of gathering intelligence and performing espionage and russia is going to go there and by the way that's the playbook what, what russia is doing now is the playbook it's going to be the playbook going forward 
It's written. It's there. It's for everyone to see. Cyber warfare is going to become a complementary, if not the finishing, the warning shot, the finishing, the starting warning shot, and the finishing shot of any conflict going forward. Remember that before Russia physically invaded the Ukraine, they were launched. They launched sixty days worth of cyber attacks on the Ukraine. Sixty days worth of cyber attacks. The morning of uh, of the conflict starting, they went right at them with cyber attacks as well as they gained ground into the Dunbar region, crossed the Nesk, and then further south. So the same applies here. They're going to continue to do that because guess what? They're not losing soldiers by doing cyber attacks. They're causing a significant amount of damage to the Ukraine, right? And they're still getting their impact. They're just slowly diminishing every single institution within the Ukraine to the point that the Ukraine will have to rebuild from scratch and it'll just be a huge rebuild effort. People will lose Uh, The Ukrainians will lose their patience with the government. They'll want to see an agreement come through. And this is now a population. uh, This is now a conflict, not only uh, on propaganda, but also on wearing down the general population of the Ukraine. They're going to use cyber warfare to do that. So be on the lookout for that. And a report by the AMA, the American Medical Association, has now shown that cyber attacks that target one hospital could have ripple effects and indirectly impact nearby healthcare facilities, according to a recent study. The study found that hospitals near a healthcare facility that was impacted by a ransomware attack may experience an influx of patients and lack of resources that could affect time-sensitive matters. Other disruptions may include an increase in ambulance arrivals, waiting room times, patients left without being seen, and patient length of stay. The authors of the study concluded that hospital disruptions tied to cyber attacks should be considered a regional disaster. Here's why this is significant. A report by AMA that goes to this length is essentially a wake-up call for a lot of hospital administrators and as well as a lot of regional governments into the fact that you, you can't just have one hospital, which is typically the case, right? You've got one big hospital for a city or two cities, you know, kind of regionally, if you go outside of the big cities, right? Um, if you go to the suburbs or you go further out into rural America, you typically have like one hospital within 45 minutes and some small clinics. But if the hospital goes through a ransomware attack, well, they've got nowhere to go. They're going to the small clinics and they're under-equipped and understaffed to handle it. And so what they're saying is there has to be a greater cooperation across the healthcare industry to ensure that in the event when a cyber attack occurs, that the business continuity plan isn't just to recover the facility, which is one aspect of it, right? But it should be even more. Um, it should be deploying staff to regional and smaller clinics where likely ambulances and patients are going to go in order to continue to provide a level of care needed to save lives. Um, Congress has also been sounding the alarm against the healthcare sector and looking for ways to address it. You've got to address it regionally. You've got to let Congress has got to give that money downstream to the regional uh, governments, to the counties, uh, to the cities, to the potentially state to actually go through and look at these business continuity plans. So there's that as well. That's it for our show today. Again, tomorrow, Jason Dion on a special episode of the Friday Conversation here on the Cyber Hub Podcast. We'll be back on Monday live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Please make sure to subscribe and rumble. I forgot rumble. So go check us out there. And a very, very big announcement later next week. So a whole lot more coming your way. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. Really appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe and share. And See you on Monday. Take care, y'all. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.